0: Every adversity, every failure, and every heartache carries with it the seed of of an equivalent or a greater benefit. Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, Chapter 5, Specialized Knowledge. Personal experiences or observations, the fourth step towards riches. There are two kinds of knowledge. One is general, the other is specialized. General knowledge, no matter how great in quantity or variety it may be, is of little use in the accumulation of money. The faculties of the great universities possess in the aggregate practically every form of general knowledge known to civilization. Most of the professors have but little money. They specialise on teaching knowledge, but they do not specialise on the organisation or the use of knowledge. Knowledge will not attract money unless it is organized and intelligently directed through practical plans of actions to the definitive end of the accumulation of money. Lack of understanding of this fact has been the source of confusion to millions of people who falsely believe that knowledge is power. It is nothing of the sort. Knowledge is only potential power. It becomes power only when and if it is organised into definite plans of actions and directed to a definite end. This missing link in all systems of education may be found in the failure of educational institutions to teach their students how to organise and use knowledge after they acquire it. Many people make the mistake of assuming that because Henry Ford had but little schooling, he was not a man of education. Those who make this mistake do not understand the real meaning of the word educate. That word is derived from the Latin word educo, meaning to educe, to draw out, to develop from within. An educated man is not necessarily one who has an abundance of general or specialized knowledge, An educated man is one who has so developed the faculties of his mind that he may acquire anything he wants, or its equivalent, without violating the rights of others. The Ignorant Man Who Made a Fortune During the First World War, a Chicago newspaper published certain editorials in which, among other statements, Henry Ford was called an ignorant pacifist. Mr Ford objected to the statements and brought suit against the paper for libeling him. When the suit was tried in the courts, the attorneys for the paper pleaded justification and placed Mr Ford himself on the witness stand for the purpose of proving to the jury that he was ignorant. The attorneys asked Mr. Ford a great variety of questions, all of them intended to prove by his own evidence that, while he might possess considerable specialised knowledge pertaining to the manufacture of automobiles, he was, in the main, ignorant. Mr. Ford was plied with such questions as the following. Who was Benedict Arnold? And how many soldiers did the British send over to America to put down the rebellion of 1776? In answer to the last question, Mr Ford replied, I did not know the exact number of soldiers the British sent over, but I have heard that it was a considerably larger number that ever went back. Finally, Mr Ford became tired of this line of questioning and in reply to a particularly offensive question he leaned over, pointed his finger at the lawyer who had asked the question and said, If I should really want to answer the foolish question you have just asked, Or any of the other questions you have been asking me, let me remind you that I have a row of electric push buttons on my desk. And by pushing the right button, I can summon to my aid men who can answer any question I desire to ask concerning the business to which I am devoting most of my efforts. Now, will you kindly tell me why I should clutter up my mind with general knowledge for the purpose of being able to answer questions when I have men around me who can simply, who can supply any knowledge I require? There certainly was good logic to that reply. The answer floored the lawyer. Every person in the courtroom realized it was the answer, not of an ignorant man, but of a man of education. Any man is educated who knows where to get knowledge when he needs it, and how to to organize that knowledge into the definite plans of action. Through the assistance of his mastermind group, Henry Ford had at his command all the specialized knowledge he needed to enable him to become one of the wealthiest men in America. It was not essential that he have this knowledge in his own mind. You can get all the knowledge you need. Before you can be sure of your ability to transmute desire into its monetary equivalent, you will require specialised knowledge of the service, merchandise or profession in which you intend to offer in return for fortune. Perhaps you may need more specialised knowledge than you have the ability or inclination to acquire. And if that is true, you may bridge your weakness through the aid of your mastermind group. The accumulation of great fortunes call for power. And power is acquired through highly organized and intelligently directed specialized knowledge. But that knowledge does not necessarily have to be in the possession of the man who accumulates the fortune. The preceding paragraph should give hope and encouragement to the man with the ambition to accumulate a fortune who has not possessed himself of the necessary education to supply such specialized knowledge as he may require. Men sometimes go through life suffering from inferiority complexes because they are not men of education. The man who can organize and direct a mastermind group of men who possess knowledge useful in the accumulation of money is just as much a man of education as any man in the group. Thomas A. Edison had only three months of schooling during his entire life. He did not lack education, neither did he die poor. Henry Ford Had less than a sixth grade schooling, but he managed to do pretty well by himself financially. Specialised knowledge is among the most plentiful and the cheapest forms of service which may be had. If you doubt this, consult the payroll of any university. It pays to know how to purchase knowledge. First of all, decide the sort of specialised knowledge you require and the purpose for which it is needed. To a large extent, your major purpose in life, the goal towards which you are working, will help determine what knowledge you need. With this question settled, your next move requires that you have accurate information concerning dependable sources of knowledge. The more important of these are A. One's own experience in education, B. Experience in education available through cooperation of others or a mastermind alliance, C. Colleges and universities. D. Public libraries, through books and periodicals in which may be found all the knowledge organised by civilisation. E. Special training courses, through night schools and home study schools in particular. As knowledge is acquired, it must be organised and put into use, for a definite purpose through practical plans. Knowledge has no value except that which can be gained from its application towards some worthy end. If you contemplate taking additional schooling, first determine the purpose for which you want the knowledge you are seeking, then learn where this particular sort of knowledge can be obtained from reliable sources. Successful men in all callings never stop acquiring specialised knowledge related to their major purpose, business or profession. Those who are not successful usually make the mistake of believing that the knowledge acquiring period ends when one finishes school. The truth is that schooling does but little more than put one in the way of learning how to acquire practical knowledge. The order of the day is specialisation. This truth was emphasised by Robert P. Moore, formerly Director of Placements at Columbia University in a news story. Specialists Most Sought Particularly sought after by employing companies are candidates who have specialised in some field, business school graduates with training in accounting and statistics, engineers of all varieties, journalists, architects, chemists, and also outstanding leaders and activity men of the senior class. The man who has been active on the campus, whose personality is such that he gets along with all kinds of people and who has done an adequate job with his studies, has a most decided edge over the strictly academic student. Some of these, because of their all-round qualifications, have received several offers of positions, a few of them as many as six. One of the largest industrial companies, the leader in its field in writing to Mr. Moore concerning prospective seniors at the college, said, we are interested primarily in finding men who can make exceptional progress in management work. For this reason, we emphasise qualities of character, intelligence and personality far more than special, specific educational background. Apprenticeship proposed. Proposing a system of apprenticing students in offices, stores and industrial occupations during the summer vacation Mr. Moore asserted that after the first two or three years of college, every student should be asked to choose a definite future course and to call a halt if he has been merely pleasantly drifting without purpose through an unspecialized academic curriculum. Colleges and universities must face the practical consideration that all professions and occupations now demand specialists. He said, urging that educational institutions accept more direct responsibility for vocational guidance. One of the most reliable and practical sources of knowledge available to those who need specialised schooling are the night schools operated in most large cities. The correspondence schools giving specialised training anywhere in the US, where anywhere the US males go, on all subjects that can be taught. By the extension method, One advantage of home study training is the flexibility of the study program, which permits one to study during spare time. Another advantage of home study training, if the school is carefully chosen, is the fact that most courses offered by home study schools carry with them generous privileges of consultations, which can be of priceless value to those needing specialized knowledge. No matter where you live, you can share the benefits. A lesson from a collection agency. Anything acquired without effort and without cost is generally unappreciated, often discredited. Perhaps this is why we get so little from our marvellous opportunity at public schools. The self-discipline one receives from a definite program of specialised study makes up to some extent for the wasted opportunity where knowledge is available without cost. Correspondent schools are highly organised business institutions. Their tuition fees are so low that they are forced to insist upon prompt payments. Being asked to pay whether the student makes good grades or poor has the effect of causing one to follow through with the course when, it will, when he would otherwise drop it. The correspondent schools have not stressed this point sufficiently, for the truth is that their collections department constitutes the very finest sort of training on decision, promptness, and the habit of finishing what one begins. I learned this from experience more than 45 years ago. I enrolled for a home study course in advertising. After completing 8 or 10 lessons, I stopped studying. But the school did not stop sending me bills. Moreover, it insisted upon payment, whether I kept up my studies or not. I decided that if I had to pay for the course, which I had legally obligated myself to do, I should complete the lessons and get my money's worth. I felt at the time that the collection system of the school was somewhat too well organised, but I learnt later in life that it was a valuable part of my training for which no charge had been made. Being forced to pay, I went ahead and completed the course. Later in life, I discovered that the efficient collection system of that school had been worth much in the form of money earned because of the training and advertising I had so reluctantly taken the road to specialised knowledge. We have in this country what is said to be the greatest public school system in the world. One of the strange things about human beings is that they value only that which has a price. The free schools of America and the free public libraries do not impress people because they are free. This is the major reason why so many people find it necessary to acquire additional training after they quit school and go to work. It is also one of the major reasons why employers give greater consideration to employees who take home study courses. They have learned from experience that any person who has the ambition to give up a part of their spare time to studying at home has in him those qualities which make for leadership. There is one weakness in people for which there is no remedy. It is the universal weakness of lack of ambition. Persons, especially salaried people who schedule their spare time to provide for home study, seldom remain at the bottom very long. Their actions open the way for the upward climb, removes many obstacles from their path, and gains the friendly interest of those who have the power to put them in the way of opportunity. The home study method of training is especially suited to the needs of employed people who find – after leaving school, that they must acquire additional specialised knowledge, but cannot spare the time to go back to school. Stuart Austin Ware prepared himself as a construction engineer and followed this line of work until the Depression limited his market to where it did not give him the income he required. He took inventory of himself, decided to change his profession to law, went back to school and took special courses by which he prepared himself as a corporation lawyer. He completed this training, passed the bar exam and quickly built a lucrative law practice. Just to keep the record straight and to anticipate the alibis of those who will say, I couldn't go to school because I have a family to support or I'm too old. I will add the information that Mr. Wire was past 40 and married when he went back to school. Moreover, when he carefully selected highly specialised courses in colleges best prepared to teach the subjects chosen, Mr. Wire completed in two years the work, for which the majority of law students require four years. It pays to know how to purchase knowledge. A simple idea that paid off. Let us consider a specific instance. A salesman in a grocery store found himself suddenly unemployed. Having had some bookkeeping experience, he took a special course in accounting, familiarised himself with all the latest bookkeeping and office equipment, and went into business for himself. Starting with the grocer for whom he had formerly worked, he made contracts with more than 100 small merchants to keep their books, at a very nominal monthly fee. His idea was so practical that he soon found it necessary to set up a portable office in a light delivery truck, which he equipped with modern bookkeeping machinery. He now has a fleet of these bookkeeping offices on wheels and employs a large staff of assistants, thus providing small merchants with accounting services equal to the best that money can buy at very nominal cost. Specialized Knowledge Plus, imagination were the ingredients that went into this unique and successful business. Last year, the owner of that business paid an income tax of almost 10 times as much as was paid by the merchant for whom he worked when he lost his job. The the beginning of this successful business was an idea. Inasmuch as I had the privilege of supplying the unemployed salesman with that idea, I now assume the further privilege of suggesting another idea, which has within it the possibility of even greater income. The idea was suggested by the salesman who gave up selling and went into business of keeping books on a wholesale basis. When the plan was suggested as a solution to his unemployment problem, he quickly exclaimed, I like the idea, but I would not know how to turn it into cash. In other words, he complained that he would not know how to market his bookkeeping knowledge after he acquired it. So that brought brought up another problem which had to be solved. With the aid of a young woman typist who could put the story together, a very attractive book was prepared, describing the advantage of the new system of bookkeeping. The pages were neatly typed and pasted in an ordinary scrapbook which was used as a silent salesman with which the story of this new business was so effectively told that its owner soon had more accounts than he could handle. A tested plan for landing the ideal job. There are thousands of people all over the country who need the services of a merchandising specialist capable of preparing an attractive brief for use in marketing personal services. The idea here described was born of necessity, to bridge an emergency which had to be covered, but it did not stop by serving merely one person. The woman who created the idea has a keen imagination. She saw in her newly born brainchild the making of a new profession to serve thousands of people who need practical guidance in marketing personal services. Spurred to action by the instantaneous success of her first prepared plan to market personal services, this energetic woman turned next to the solution of a similar problem for her son, who had just finished college, but had been totally unable to find a market for his services. The plan she originated for his use was the finest specimen of merchandising for personal services I have ever seen. When the plan book had been created, it contained nearly 50 pages of beautifully typed, properly organized information telling the story of her son's native ability, schooling, personal experience, and great variety of other information too extensive for the description. The plan book was contained a complete description of the position her son desired, together with a marvelous word picture of the exact plan he would use in filling the position. The preparation of the book, pardon me, the preparation of the plan book required several weeks' labour, during which time its creator sent her son to the public library almost daily to procure data needed in selling his services to best advantage. She sent him also to the competitors of his prospective employer and gathered from them vital information concerning their business methods, which was of great value in the formation of the plan he intended to use in filling the position he sought. When the plan had been finished, it contained more than half a dozen very fine suggestions for the use and benefit of the prospective employer. You don't have to start at the bottom. One may be inclined to ask, Why go to all this trouble to secure a job? The answer is, Doing a thing well never is trouble. The plan prepared by this woman for the benefit of her son helped him get the job for which he had applied at the first interview and at a salary fixed by himself. Moreover, and this too is important, the position did not require the young man to start at the bottom. He began as a junior executive at an executive salary. Why go to all this trouble? Well, for one thing, planned presentation of this young man's application for for a position clipped off no less than 10 years of time he would have acquired to get to where he began had he started at the bottom and worked his way up. The idea of starting at the bottom and working one's way up may appear to be sound, but the major objection to it is this. Too many of those who begin at the bottom never manage to lift their heads high enough to see the opportunity, so they remain at the bottom. It should be remembered also that the outlook from the bottom is not so very bright or encouraging. It has a tendency to kill off ambition. We call it getting into a rut, which means that we accept our fate because we form the habit of daily routine, a habit that finally becomes so strong we cease to try to throw it off. And that is another reason why it pays to start one or two steps above the bottom. By so doing, one forms the habit of looking around, of observing how others get ahead, of seeing opportunity, and of embracing it without hesitation. Make dissatisfaction work for you. Dan Helpham is a splendid example of what I mean. During his college days, he was a manager of the famous 1930 National Championship Notre Dame football team when it was under the direction of the late Newt Rockney, Helpin finished college at a mighty unfavourable time when the Depression had made jobs scarce. So, after a fling in investment banking and motion pictures, he took the first opening with a potential future he could find, selling electrical hearing aids on a competition basis. Anyone could start in that sort of job, and Helpin knew it was enough to open the door to, of opportunity to him. For almost two years, he continued in a job not to his liking, and he would never have risen above that job if he had not done something about his dissatisfaction. He aimed first at the job of assistant sales manager of his company and got the job. That one step upwards placed him high enough above the crowd to enable him to see still greater opportunity. Also, it placed him where opportunity could see him. He made such a fine record selling hearing aids that A.M. Andrews, chairman of the board of the Dictograph Products Company, a business competitor of the company for which Helpin worked, wanted to know something about that man, Dan Helpin, who was taking big sales away from the long-established Dictograph Company. He sent for Helpin. When the interview was over, Halpin was the new sales manager in charge of the Acousticon division. Then, to test young Helpin's mettle, Mr. Andrews went away to Florida for three months, leaving him to sink or swim in his new job. He did not sink. Newt Rockney's spirit of all the world loves a winner and has no time for a loser inspired him to put so much into his job that he was elected vice president of the company, a job which most men would be proud to earn through 10 years of loyal effort. Helpin turned the trick a little more than six months. One of the major points I'm trying to emphasise through this entire philosophy is that we rise to high positions or remain at the bottom because of conditions we can control if we desire to control them. Your associates can be priceless. I'm also trying to emphasise another point, namely that both success and failure are largely the results of habit. I have not the slightest doubt that Dan Halpin's close association with the greatest football coach America ever knew planted in his mind the same brand of desire to excel, which made the Notre Dame football team world famous. Truly, there is something to the idea that hero worship is helpful, provided one worships a winner. My belief in the theory that business associations are vital factors, both in failure and in success, was clearly demonstrated when my son Blair was negotiating with Dan Helpin for a position. Mr. Helpin offered him a beginning salary of about one half what he could have gotten from a rival company. I brought parental pressure to bear. Induced him to accept the place with Mr. Helpin because I believe that close association with the one who refuses to compromise with circumstances he does not like is an asset that can never be measured in terms of money. The bottom is a monotonous, dreary, unprofitable place for any person. That is why I have taken the time to describe how lowly beginnings may be circumvented by proper planning. Make your ideas pay off through specialized knowledge the woman who prepared the personal service sales plan for her son now received requests from all parts of the country for her cooperation in preparing similar plans for others who desire to market their personal services for more money. It must not be supposed that her plan merely consists of clever salesmanship by which she helps men and women do to demand and receive more money for the same services they formerly sold for less pay. She looks after the interests of the purchaser as well as the seller of personal services and so prepares her plans that the employer receives full value for the additional money he pays. If you have the imagination and seek a more profitable outlet for your personal services, this suggestion may be the stimulus for which you have been searching. The idea is capable of yielding an income far greater than that of the average doctor lawyer or an engineer whose education required several years in college. There is no fixed price for sound ideas. Back of all ideas is specialized knowledge. Unfortunately, for those who do not find riches in abundance, specialized knowledge is more abundant and more easily acquired than ideas. Because of this very truth, there is a universal demand and an ever-increasing opportunity for the person capable of helping men and women sell their personal services advantageously. Capability means imagination, the one quality needed to combine specialized knowledge with ideas in the form of organized plans designed to yield riches. If you have imagination, this chapter may present you with an idea sufficient to serve as the beginning of the riches you desire. Remember, the idea is the main thing, Specialised knowledge may be found just around the corner, any corner.